we read from Psalm 119 and Deuteronomy 4. Let us prepare to hear God's word by praying together words from Psalm 119. Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. I am a sojourner on the earth. Hide not your commandments from me. My soul is consumed with longing for your rulers at all times. You rebuke the insolent accursed ones who wander from your commandments. Take away from me scorn and contempt, for I have kept your testimonies. Even though princes sit plotting against me, your servant will meditate on your statutes. Your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. Hear the word of the Lord from Deuteronomy 4. And now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the rules that I am teaching you, and do them, that you may live and go in and take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers, is giving you. You shall not add to the word that I command you, nor take from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you. Your eyes have seen what the Lord did at Baal Peor, for the Lord your God destroyed from among you all the men who followed the Baal of Peor. But you who held fast to the Lord your God are all alive today. See, I have taught you statutes and rules as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should do them in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. Keep them and do them, for that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples, who when they hear all these statutes will say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call upon him? And what great nation is there that has statutes and rules so righteous as all this law that I set before you today? Only take care and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and your children's children, how on the day that you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb, the Lord said to me, gather the people to me that I may let them hear my words so that they may learn to fear me all the days that they live on the earth, and that they may teach their children so. And you came near and stood at the foot of the mountain, while the mountain burned with fire to the heart of heaven, wrapped in darkness, cloud, and gloom. Then the Lord spoke to you out of the midst of the fire. You heard the sound of words, but saw no form. There was only a voice. And he declared to you his covenant, which he commanded you to perform. That is the Ten Commandments. And he wrote them on two tablets of stone. And the Lord commanded me at that time to teach you statutes and rules that you might do them in the land that you are going over to possess. For ask now the days that are past, which were before you, 
since the day that God created man on the earth and ask from one end of heaven to the other whether such a great thing as this has ever happened or was ever heard of. Did any people ever hear the voice of a God speaking out of the midst of the fire as you have heard and still live? Or has any God ever attempted to go and take a nation for himself from the midst of another nation by trials, by signs, by wonders, and by war, by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, and by great deeds of terror, all of which the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your eyes? To you it was shown that you might know that the Lord is God. There is no other besides him. Out of heaven he let you hear his voice, that he might discipline you. And on earth he let you see his great fire, and you heard his words out of the midst of the fire. And because he loved your fathers and chose their offspring after them and brought you out of Egypt with his own presence by his great power, driving out before you nations greater and mightier than you to bring you in, to give you their land for an inheritance as it is this day. Know therefore today and lay it to your heart that the Lord is God in heaven above and on the earth beneath. There is no other. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, please join with me in prayer. Father, having just um, heard your word and even in some ways already prayed using the words of Psalm 119, we again simply turn to you and ask for your help, um, for your help for me that I might speak your word faithfully, for your help for us um, that we might truly hear your word. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So if you've been with us the last few weeks, uh, you might know that we've just begun a series on Deuteronomy that will be carrying us through most of the year. And just to kind of give you a sense of where we're at, the first three chapters of Deuteronomy in some ways are kind of this narrative preface. They are this kind of, here's the backstory, previously on that sort of thing. And, and you'll notice that there's kind of a turning point at the beginning of chapter 4 where it says, and now, O Israel. Here, in some ways, is where Moses now kind of lays before the people the, the core, the heart of this entire book. And, and the heart of Deuteronomy, in some ways, can be summarized very simply. It is this. It is a call saying, receive the word of the Lord. Receive the word of the Lord. That is what I want us to be reflecting on this morning, and I want us to consider this, this call in two parts. First, to ask why, like what, why we would want to receive God's Word, and then secondly, to ask how. What does it look like for us to do this, to receive God's Word as God intends? So let's start first with just asking why. Why are we called to receive the Word of the Lord? And, and to get there, I think we almost need to start even before that with a what. Like what is in the background. What took place that led Moses to say this? When we start getting to like verses 10 and onwards, he actually kind of gives us a bit of the backstory even further. And he speaks of one of the most remarkable moments that our world has ever seen. It took about 40 years earlier before when Moses is saying this now. Um, Israel has just been pulled out of Egypt. I mean, remarkably 
brought out of Egypt. There were, you know, the ten, if you're familiar with the story, ten terrifying plagues from the hand of God. Then they were brought through these waters where as they come to the other end, the waters come crashing down and destroying one of the mightiest armies the world has seen at that time. And then from that point onwards, there is this mysterious column of, of cloud during the daytime and the mysterious column of, of a fire at nighttime that just quietly goes before them, leading them as they're walking through a place they've never been to before. That They walk through desert, wilderness, and day by day they're being led by this column until finally after weeks of the journey they are brought to this mountain, sometimes called Mount Sinai, sometimes called Mount Horeb. It's the same mountain. And they are, and they are told to stay there. And for two days they are stand, staying, kind of looking at the mountain, being told to prepare. And then day three takes place. And as people kind of wake up, they, they get out of their tents, the, the hot sun begins to kind of bake them, they feel the, the morning taking place, and, and they look at the, this, this brown rocky mountain, and they notice there are clouds that are beginning to form, which would be unusual at that time, clouds forming around the top of the mountain, and those clouds start growing until almost the whole sky becomes dark, and then they hear thunder, slowly a, a rumbling that builds and gets louder and louder, thunderclap after thunderclap, until it comes almost so impressive that they feel the need to kind of shield themselves, and that's not where it stops. Then there is this piercing sound, best described as the sound of a trumpet, just a, a single note that is unceasing, that gets louder and louder, and at that moment, Moses signals to the other leaders, and they signal to the, the, everyone that it is time to walk, and they walk towards this sound towards the mountain. And as they get closer and as they look up, they see that it's not just clouds at the top, but the very top of the mountain is now completely on fire. And they realize that God has descended and is now with them. And as they draw near, they hear God speak. I am the Lord your God. I am the Lord. Literally, I am Yahweh. He, he reminds them, this is my name. This is who I am. And not only that, I am your God. I am addressing you. Now, I think sometimes when we read the Old Testament, because the Old Testament doesn't tell us about every moment of every day. It only highlights the unusual parts. We can start having this idea that this kind of thing happens all the time. Donkeys are speaking all the time. God is speaking about all the time. No, that is, this is unheard of. Do, do you notice in our passage how that is repeated on a couple of different times? So, verse 32, ask now of the days that are past which were before you since the day that God created man on the earth and ask from one end of heaven to the other whether such a great thing as this has ever happened or was ever heard of. Did any people ever hear the voice of a God speaking out of the midst of the fire as you have heard and still live? This has never happened before. Or verse 7, if we back up to kind of near early on, right before he, he kind of describes what I just described in verses 10 and following. It says, for what great nation is there that has a God who is so near? This is extraordinary that God would speak words to a people. 
just think about that for a moment. Just even think about the idea of, of what a word is. What, what is a word? A word is something whose sole existence is so that something can be shared. W words have no use if it's just for oneself. A word is a form of connecting. We, we communicate to establish a form of communion. Words are for relationship, right? I mean, how is a friendship formed? It, it, at some point, fairly early on, words need to be exchanged. There needs to be something like, hi, I don't think I've met you before. My name is Jeff, or, or so on. And, and how are friendships developed over time? Yes, there is shared experiences, but there's also the need for for words, because when we speak words, we are able to reveal something inside of us that no one else has access to. You can only know certain things about a person when they speak those things to you. It's through words. And, and how, do, how do relationships come to an end? I, I used to think that, you know, the worst form of a breakup was someone texting someone else, but I've realized there's, a, there's an even worse version of breaking up, and that's, that's ghosting. Like, there's this phenomenon, right, where it's basically just, you will know that I don't like you anymore because you no longer will ever hear from me again. A, a silence, a, a lack of words is the end of a relationship. Words are about communion, about connection, about relationship. And so think of what it means that the Lord of the universe would say, I am Yahweh, I am your God, and begin to speak. And, and, and if you were to continue on, would say, and, and here's how to relate to me. Imagine, um, I, I feel like, uh, for understandable reasons, uh, Queen Elizabeth and her life has been in the news quite a bit recently. And so imagine if it's a number of years ago and Queen Elizabeth is still, you know, like was at the stage where she can still travel and she's visiting America and there's some ceremony in which she's being awarded for some great thing. And, and for some reason, you have come along, you're there sitting in the crowd, and you watch all of the pageantry. You know, you have one dignitary after another talking about how great things are, and then you have the trumpets, and you have all these things. And at the moment that Queen Elizabeth stands up to receive her reward, she kind of looks into the crowd, pulls a mic, and says, oh, and she calls you by name, John, or whoever, it's so good to see you. Can we have a chat after this time? In the middle of the crowd, for, for her, I mean, what does that signify? Someone who is, is that important calling you by name and saying, let's talk. There is this desire for relationship that would be extraordinary. And yet consider what we have here, that, that the God who reigns in heaven, who has innumerable angels waiting on him day and night, singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty, the God who, when he draws nears to mountains, mountains tremble because they remember in their distant memory how he was the one who spoke them into existence and his word can dissolve them in a moment. They tremble. This God, who is the God of the universe, would speak and say, I would like to talk with you. Do, do, we see, do we see how extraordinary that is? And if we have any confusion about what he is doing when he's on the mountain talking to people, we see some explanations taking place pretty quickly where it says, where he says, gather the people to me that I may let them hear my words 
so that they may learn to fear me. And fear is not just, I want them to be terrified. Fear is the word that you use for a relationship one has with the God of the universe. He's saying, I want them to hear my words because I want us to have a relationship. Or again, if you go down to verse 35, to you it was shown that you might know the Lord is God. Out of heaven he let you hear his voice that he might discipline you, or that could easily be translated, he might train you. He is speaking to you to show you how to relate to him. Your God, by speaking these words, Moses saying, was pursuing a relationship with you. Why? Why? Why would... Why would the God of the universe choose to do this? Well, the answer is made explicit for us if we have any question left. Verse 37, Moses says, He loved your fathers and chose their offspring. And of course, the offspring of your fathers would be you. He, he chose you. He, he loves you and because he loves you and he has chosen you he has spoken his word to you to form a connection between you and him that you might have a relationship with him now that would be extraordinary even if it were just a mere dignitary even if it were the queen of england to know that she wants to have a conversation a connection a relationship with you but it is another thing altogether when we're talking about the god of the universe. Because God is not just great. God is the source of everything. He is the source of beauty, the source of life, the source of love, the source of truth. In, in many ways, He is like the sunlight of the universe. And we as human beings are like plants who can only flourish as we bathe in the light of who He is. And so to have a connection with Him is the way that we live. Which is why it says in, in places like verses 6 and 7 where it speaks of, if you take these words, they will be your wisdom. They will be your understanding. If you take God's words and internalize them, they will give you knowledge. And, or even more simply, in verse 1 it says, hear these things that you might live. This word that connects you to God is life, says Moses. And the reason this is something I'm belaboring, the reason this is something that I think is really worth for us to consider, is because Mount Sinai is not the only time that God speaks in this way. In fact, it is not even the greatest time that God speaks His Word. The New Testament tells us that God, in the fullest and most complete way, chose to speak to us in His Son. So John 1 will tell us, the Word. Do you hear that? It's the Word, this connection point, this communion seeking. The Word became flesh and lived among us. Or as the writer of Hebrews tells us, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, such as Moses. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son. Do you hear that? God, the God of the universe, has spoken to us. And he's spoken to us not in the form of this terrifying thunder and fire and words so loud that people, you know, like 
shirked away in fear and said, Moses, we need you to mediate. No, he, he came in gentleness in our form as a human being. And he showed the fullness of who he was, who he is in Jesus. He showed the fullest expression of his love for us by becoming one of us to build a bridge to connect with us that we might know him fully. And that is why Jesus says, in me is life. I came that you might have life and have life abundantly. We have in Jesus the word spoken to us. And it's not just something that happened in the past. Yes, Jesus came 2,000 years ago, but the Bible says that because of the work of the Spirit, there is a sense that Jesus continues to come to us today. He continues to speak to us today. Whenever we do what we're doing right now and open God's word, there Jesus is speaking to us, showing himself to us, inviting us to connect to God and know the love of God. Do you see, do you see why if we can just begin to understand that that is what's happening, that God even now is speaking to us in love, why we want to know what it means to receive, to receive the word of God. So how do we do that? Well, Deuteronomy throughout has, has really three different ideas, all very closely related to each other, three different steps of what it looks like to be a people who receive this life-giving word. And it can be best summed up in the words, hear and keep and do. And for the rest of our time, I just want to consider what those three things look like. So first, we're told that we're called to hear, and that's exactly how the passage begins. And now, O Israel, listen, or literally hear the statutes and the rules that I'm teaching you. We're called to hear, which, which maybe sounds like it doesn't need a whole lot of instruction. Of course, you know, if we're going to receive God's word, we need to actually hear the words. But I think it's helpful to recognize that, that the Hebrew word for hear, shema, is more than just about kind of this auditory process. It's about taking words to heart, which is why sometimes actually the word is translated obey, because the idea is hearing in such a way that you are formed and, and shaped by it. And I think we understand that idea. The understanding of hearing in such a way is taking words to heart. I remember when I was maybe like 11 or 12, my, my dad gave me the job of coordinating my three younger brothers so that we could set the table together. And my immediate response was great. And I thought of like, how can I basically get them to do all the work and I can just like sit and watch. But my dad actually knew that that's what I was about to do. So when he saw me starting to move in that direction, he said, no, you need to understand. Leadership means you always value the people you are leading more than yourself. And that has stuck with me ever since. Obviously, I'm talking about it today. It has it formed me. We all have words like that, right? Things that people have said that we have taken to heart. Sometimes they can be cruel words that have diminished us. Other times they can be words that encourage us. But there is a way that sometimes when we hear, it shapes us. Or to use a different illustration, have you ever been in an argument where someone in frustration says, you are not listening to me? And, and what they're saying is not that you haven't heard what they're saying. What they say is when you're hearing what they're saying, all you're hearing it is so you can figure out how to say it's wrong. And he's saying, I want you to hear. I want you to take to heart what I'm saying, to allow it to potentially reshape your way of seeing things. That's what hearing is. It is taking it to heart. I am, um, as, as 
those of you who know me know I am a big fan of the, the practice of Bible study, of personal Bible study, of, of meeting in groups to study the Bible. It is an incredibly precious thing, but there is a danger that can be attached with Bible study. And that is sometimes I think we can think that spiritual growth is measured by the amount of information we have. If we just know every verse, if we know every chapter, if we understand everything about the Bible, then we are spiritually mature, not remembering that that is the exact same thing that happened with the Pharisees. You can know everything, but unless you take it to heart, it is not truly hearing. Hearing involves listening in such a way that we allow it to move to that vulnerable part of who we are where there's this possibility that we might be changed, that we might feel threatened, that things might happen that make us uncomfortable. It is allowing ourselves to be open to what God is saying. I think Jesus in some ways encapsulates this and when he speaks to a church in Revelation 3 and he says, look, I'm standing at a door and I'm knocking. If anyone hears my voice and opens up the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. And we sometimes maybe are familiar with that passage is oftentimes used in like evangelistic preaching, inviting someone who doesn't know Christ to come to know him. But it actually is being said to a church, to people who have already trusted in Jesus, but who have stopped listening and stopped being willing to be changed. And Jesus is saying, you need to you need to open yourself up again. Allow yourself to hear. I know you might feel like I'm threatening, but if I'm coming in, it's to dine with you because I love you. We're called to hear. Secondly, in our passage, we are also called to keep. That is verse 2 where it says, You shall not add to the word that I command you, nor take from it that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God. And oftentimes I think when we hear that word keep, we think it's kind of almost a synonym of doing, you know, to keep a command is just to do it. But actually, it has a slightly different idea. It's about guarding. It's about protecting. If hearing is more an element of kind of a receptive understanding, keeping is more about proactive choices. So back to the, the, the queen one more time. I, in, I don't know if you've watched her funeral, you might know that there's this one point where the crown jewels, three of them, the crown and the orb and the scepter were carefully removed from the top of her coffin and then handed over, symbolizing that, you know, her reign is, is over. And, and that, of course, those crown jewels are just part of this larger collection of extraordinary value, not just valuable because they are valuable jewels, but because of their significance. They signify the royal reign and rule. So I looked this up. If you ever do think that you might be interested in stealing the crown jewels, you know, as, as you might, it's probably valuable to know just how well they are protected. They are encased whenever they're on display in uh, bomb-proof glass. There are over a hundred hidden cameras around always watching wherever people are as they're looking at the jewels. There are also 22 armed soldiers who take turns throughout the day and 38 other people called yeomen of something who actually live in the tower whose sole job is to keep track of the jewels and care for them. They are so extraordinarily valuable that they are guarded with vigilance. And just think of what we have been given in God's word. We, we've not just been given a sign of royalty. In, in Christ, 
As he comes to speak to us and makes his dwelling with us, as we receive him, we become royalty. We are, we are made children of God. In, in Christ, we, we come to experience wisdom and, and are being made alive and whole. This is why we sung earlier, hallelujah, all I have is Christ. In Jesus, as we receive him and his word, we have everything. And so is there anything more, more worth being vigilant about guarding and protecting and keeping? Jesus himself says, abide in me and I in you. It's, it's, it's focusing on longevity and keeping. He says, and have my words dwell in you and keep my commandments. It is a call for this vigilant protection. There will be possibilities, as Moses tells us in verse 2, there will be the temptation for us to edit the word of God. He says, don't add to it. Sometimes we're tempted to add to God's word by thinking that there's something maybe really important that God just didn't think about. We need Jesus plus alignment with a particular political party. Or Moses says you might be tempted to take away from it. There are things that we have in the word of God as Jesus speaks to us that just seems confusing or offensive. I'm going to follow Jesus, but I don't think he really cares about anything related to sexuality. Moses says you need to guard, you need to keep, you need to hold on to whatever Jesus has said. Now, even as I say that, I want to make sure that we understand this is not a command for us to basically just stay stubborn and not let us hear anything else. Because the problem is oftentimes the very dangers that we need to guard against are from within. We already have within us idolatrous thinking. We already have ways that we are sometimes not hearing what God is saying or sometimes adding to it. Oftentimes we actually need to be open and to be exposed so that we can be repenting. The idea is more that we need to go again and again and again to Jesus. Again and again to what he says and to keep on seeking to align whatever we believe with what he has told us. That is the guard that we are called to keep his word. There is also a danger we are told later of, of, of losing, of forgetting. So is it in verse 9, I think, where it says, Only take care and keep your soul diligently. Those are two words for keep. Lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, unless they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Only take care that you don't forget. There are times in our lives where Jesus makes himself so clear, where, where the reality of God's love, the reality of who he is, seems so obvious. And yet, through busyness, through habits, things can slowly fade away. And, and Moses is saying, take care, keep, hold on, figure out the practices so that you can remember again and again, so that you can be grateful again and again. And notice this is not just a diligence for personally. As he continues on, after he says, make them known to your children and your children's children. We need to be vigilant so that as a community we keep these things, we pass them on. We need to help our kids to hear the things that God has shown us so that they can take hold of them and they can pass them on. It is this collective vigilance because it is such a precious thing. It is worth it. If we want to know what, what keeping and what guarding looks like, I think Psalm 119 again and again 
shows us. Psalm 119, we, we looked at the, the second passage, of, in the second section last week, and it had so many of the different words where he says stuff like, Lord, show me your way. I will commit your word to my heart. I will meditate on it day and night. I will speak of it with people. All of these things are active. We're saying, I will keep pursuing. I will keep seeking. I will keep remembering. That's what it looks like to guard. It is this intentionality because it is so precious. So to receive involves hearing, involves keeping, and finally to receive this word that gives life involves also doing. In fact, there's, there's a real sense in some ways that doing is simply just the outworking, the test of whether we actually have heard and have kept God's word. There are times, I think, or at least I will speak personally, I know it's true of me, my guess is it's beyond, where I can feel like I'm hearing something and I can be wrestling with it. I can even feel like, yeah, my heart is moved by it, and there's a part of me, my will is being shaped by it, but then it never actually cashes out in action. And what Scripture says is when that's the case, you haven't really heard it. Because the Jesus that is speaking to you, the Jesus that you are receiving, is a Jesus who calls you to a new and better way. And that means he is calling you to change. James, the brother of Jesus, actually warns us in a very specific way about this, and he gives an illustration. He, he, he tells us, don't just be hearers only, and so deceive yourselves. In other words, he's saying, if you are only hearing and it doesn't change you, you're deceiving yourself because you're not actually hearing it at all. And, and then he goes on and he uses an illustration to say, whoever does that, it's like someone whose face is dirty, and he looks at a mirror, and he looks at it for a while, and really carefully, and, and sees like the smudge on the nose, and like there's kind of a, something on the cheek, and then he just walks away and completely forgets what he saw. He's like, no one does that. There's no value in that. And instead, here's what James says, whoever looks intensely, there's that idea of hearing, looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom. We could spend a lot of time even just talking about that. The perfect law that is the law of Christ, Christ's word, that gives freedom and life. Whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, that is keeping, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, but lives being changed, they will be blessed in what they do. And when he's saying that, he's only reflecting what Jesus said when Jesus at the end of chapter 7 of Matthew says, the one who is wise is the one who hears what I am saying and does it. And this brings us back to what we were saying before. The reason it gives freedom, the reason that you are blessed in doing it is because this is the word that comes from God. This is the word where he's expressing his love. This is the word in which we find life. And, and, and even now, God is speaking to us. Even now, in a very real way, Jesus is present with us. Some of you, perhaps, to this point, have, have never opened yourself up to what God is saying. And perhaps even right now, the, the Spirit is at work inviting you to hear 
that God loves you, that Jesus is his word to you, inviting you into relationship with him, and he's calling you to hear. For many of us, throughout the day, throughout the week, we, we can be forgetful, we can kind of lose sight of things, and God right now, again, is speaking to us, saying, here are my words of life. Take hold of them and allow them to change you. Wherever our story is right now, God is inviting you. Here is my word. I love you. Receive it.